morning. Did you like my cousin there, or twin? Uh, my name is Mike Schrage, and I come from Joplin, Missouri. And uh, I was a formerly a uh, Illinois farm boy, and then after education and several journeys, I found uh, Jesus found me, and later on would wind up working in the mission field myself in the country of Kenya for 20 years. So ICOM, the International Conference on Missions, is a very special thing to me. Also, the ministry that I get to now help organize and to uh, lead and so forth is known as GMPI, Good News Productions International. We have a small display in the back. And the reason that we were kind of asked uh, as an organization to allow me to be the president of ICOM is that we are involved in technology as a ministry to help missionaries and help national church leaders make media, audio, video, and other printed materials that are in their local languages with their local preferences on what that should be discussed and what the issues are and so forth so that it look and scratch and sniffs, if you will, very much if it's in Africa for African-based audiences, if it's in India if for Indian-based audiences. It's very very indigenous. And so uh, that's what we do with our 20 staff. We help organize the other 80 staff that are in 17 different production centers around the world. We have a sign-up uh, table back there in the corner that's both for the ministry and for ICOM 2016. Let me talk to you just a little bit about ICOM 2016. Uh, it will be right up the road from you there in Lexington. Uh, it is going to be a wonderful time. The table set, wonderful speakers. Two of them, very dear friends of mine. One is a Kenyan who's going to share his story of how God tried, or how um, when he accepted God, that uh, his father, a Paramount tree, tried to poison him. And he didn't die. And now is a wonderful elder, statesman, missionary, and has a wonderful testimony of what he's doing in leading work in East Africa. Another good friend of mine is from the country of Sudan. And he was there, had memorized the entire Quran by age 14. Had beat up Christians and made them, bring them to the almost point of death with the intent of letting them suffer and making a point to other Christians to fear him as an up-and-coming strapping Muslim leader. He would have a dream. He would meet a missionary. He would have a Saul to Paul conversion experience. Wanted by his own family, he would leave as a refugee. He would then later meet a missionary who he would marry that daughter and lives now in Sukar, Germany. He has a PhD in apologetics defending Christianity against Islam. He is also, yes, praise God. He is also uh, the, very much a consultant to the countries of England and Germany on the current Syri Syrian refugee situation. He is also a consultant to the underground church in both Egypt and in Iraq. And so he's going to be right up the road. You need to hear him. Uh, he's going to be sharing his testimony uh, Saturday night, uh, and Kyle Eidelman, just up the road the other way, is going to be sharing the main message. We have some wonderful lineup of speakers. Everyone will be pre prefaced with a story like the two I just told you, hundreds of workshops that are very practical. And I really believe that the theme is one that the Spirit of God is moving through us as a, I travel around the country and speaking and sharing and inviting people to come to ICOM, is this element of discipling. This element of what our theme is, is of mobilize, disciples, making disciples. And I know that this congregation is involved in that sense. You are involved in saying, God, how do you help us make a difference and grow from what we are now in our walls to being able to permeate the entire community around us? And so I'm really excited because you're not unique. There are lots of churches with that same heart, that same beat of the Holy Spirit of what's trying to do. And so that's going to be the main emphasis there in Lexington, November 17 through 20. 
you're all invited. If you can't go, please do pray for and with us because my twofold prayer has been, God, would you anoint every speaker, every workshop presenter, and would you appoint each person that attends? They're expecting eight to 10,000 to go out and be a disciple maker. So please come. I know you're all invited. And if you can't, at least pray that God's spirit would really move in wonderful ways. You're going to feel the ripples out here as a result of that. Making disciples. I really appreciate the opportunity to share just a few moments with you from God's word about that, which is very close to me as a former missionary in Kenya. You know, today's a unique day. Lots of times when I'm speaking and preaching and talk, talking about mobilizing events, I say, imagine what, what, what it happened years ago when Pearl Harbor occurred. Pearl Harbor, when that element occurred, it woke up our country. We heard about a war that we didn't want to get involved in. But after Pearl Harbor, we got involved. Well, we had years later another mobilizing event that happened on this date 15 years ago that we refer to as 9-11. And we're indebted to a lot of men and women, both first responders there in three different locations, as well as around the world. But how quickly we forget. And with every season, with every generation, God needs to mobilize again his church, and I believe that he's doing that. If you look at the political scenario that's happening today, my friends, <laughs> it is hopeless without Jesus Christ. I don't care what side, what color. We have an opportunity that as people lose their hope in government and lose their hope in the status quo and lose their hope in the funding and lose their hope in the market, it is going to be an opportunity like none other to make disciples who make disciples. So what's the mobilizing effect in your life? If God used Pearl Harbor or 9-11 for a nation, what is he doing in your life? Is it that news about the child who... Is diabetes? Is it the news about an aunt that was killed in a plane crash? Is it that news about that grandfather that has stage four cancer? Is it about that law enforcement officer that just on off duty was killed in a motorcycle accident? What is that mobilizing event in your life that caused er in a reality and shockingness of a moment to erase everything of less priority and understand life and eternity? is of first importance. Church, we are at war. And it is for the souls of lives of men and women. You know, there's a quote by Nikki Toyama Setsu that says, following Jesus is costly, but not following Jesus is far more costly. If you have not, buy the book, go to the movie, An Insanity of God. And see that God who created the church and the bride of Christ, he understands to take care of her. And persecution is the thing that stokes and makes the church white hot. It doesn't kill it. It actually is like vitamins to its soul and it raises up the insanity of God. The unbelievableness that he would use that which kills the flesh to make the spirit and the bride of Christ to flourish. In places like Russia and China and the Middle East. We're at war. If you don't believe, let me just read very quickly a few passages of Scripture that underscore that. The first one is from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, and it says, Dear friends, I urge you, excuse me, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. 
I thought I just got up, drank my coffee, and went to work in the morning. <laughs> no. Second scripture. 1 Peter 2.11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your mind. Isn't that what the scripture says? No. Oh, it, wage war against your, your flesh, your body. No. Paul got it right. Wages war against your soul. That's what we're fighting for. That's what we signed up at our baptism. That's the calling card we have. We are soldiers and we are fighting a war to end all wars. And it is called the followership of Jesus Christ. Amen? There is also going to be war in heaven. Two passages of scripture, Revelation 12, 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Well, I thought it was just going to be angels with little halos strumming farps all day long. Sorry to bust your bubble. Or secondly, it's this one. The white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Who's that? Jesus. He says this. With justice he judges and he wages war. Now wait a minute, Mike. I thought you said that Jesus was the prince of peace. What's this gig with waging war where everything was supposed to be in great tranquility because he's going to bring down for the final time Satan, his minions, his demons, his evildoers, and it is going to be Jesus that rules forever and ever. You want to sign up for that war? You want to sign up for that victory? You want to sign up for that place? I'm in. Are you? But to say I'm in means we got a job to do. And very quickly, I want us to understand this. When Jesus, after dying on the cross, which we just now remembered in communion, when he went up to heaven, he quoted, which is kind of the Magna Carta. Imagine after three and a half years of pouring into these dumbfounded fishermen and guys, I mean, that were just duller than dull, Jesus had to go, dude, I'm not sure they're going to get it. <laughs> Let me just boil it down for you here, all right? Sixty-some words. You got it? I mean, after three and a half years, 60 words is what I'm going to give you. You got it? You ready? Write it down, Peter, because you are one thick-headed dude. And he said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Remember that, church. No president, no army, no wealthy billionaire has authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How many of you want Jesus to be with you tomorrow morning? Then go make disciples. <laughs> he didn't promise he'd be with you when you're making your next million, but he did promise he'd be with you when you make your next follower. He didn't promise that you'd be there when you buy your new car, but he did promise he'd be there when you make your next convert. You want to experience the power and love of Jesus? That's where the promise is. That's where he said, I'll be with. That's where I roll up my sleeves. That's when I roll out the Holy Spirit. That's when I bring the angels down and do things. And church, when you do that, that's what you were wired to do like a car to travel. And when you do that, it'll be them that are beating you off this stage to say, I want to just tell for a minute of what God did in my life this week. Making disciples. It was the vision that was global in scope from Jesus Christ. Dan Spader, some of you have been aware of that name, 
says that the brilliance in Jesus' Magna Carta of teaching people how to make disciples instead of just winning his generation for Jesus Christ at that time was this, that it, it had exponential capacity. One would win one, then the two times two, and two times four, and four times six. It had exponential. There are people movements a day in hot places like in Southeast Asia, and you're going to hear about them at ICOM, that are in the hundreds of thousands of people. And I go to churches today, and they're singing, and they're going, Mike, I don't know where our country's going. And I go, well, I don't know either totally, but I know this, that God is alive on his throne. And I beg for the time that we will see the movement of God again in our country that we are seeing and that I see when I go to India and Africa and Southeast Asia. God is not dead. God is alive. And he's moving Americans to be aware of what he's doing in other places around the world. Exponential capacity. And secondly, the wisdom in making disciples who make disciples is this, that it has generational elasticity. The reason that we still know and hear about Jesus is that it jumped the generations. Time after time after time after time. He's brilliant. You'd think he was God. <laughs> and so I want to give you very quickly three stories Three illustrations. Get your pens out. Write them down. I mean, these are going to be really tough. Of three ways you can be a better disciple maker. Number one, you ready? Be kind. Okay, now you've come 600 miles to tell me I need to be kind, and that's how I'm going to make disciples. Yeah, be kind. Listen to the story. My wife, lovely bride of 35 years, is a director over four different um, what they used to be called uh, crisis pregnancy centers, okay? They're, they're rebranding themselves now, just as I know you as a church have rebranded yourself. And so that aside, she has 20-some staff, and of course are dealing with the elements of around abortion and sanctity of life. Just down the road, literally two blocks east and one block south, is Planned Parenthood. A couple of years ago in our fair city of Joplin, Missouri, there was a lot of picketing that occurred on the campus of Planned Parenthood. To the point that one night, one young man thought he'd just kind of boost that a little further, and he started a fire trying to burn the place down. Now, there were some calls from people that were going to Carolyn the next day, my wife, who's over on the antithesis on the other side of that discussion, and saying, aren't you so glad? I bet you wish the thing would have burnt down. And she hid it in her heart. We talked about it. She prayed about it, and she did this the next day. She got a... A flower, some flowers from Walmart and a gift card. And she went over to the lady who was the managing director at Planned Parenthood and asked to see her and sit down in her office and said these words. I am so sorry for what my city has done to you. The picketing, the trying to burn down your building, I'm so sorry. Can I pray with you? And if there's anything that me or my staff can do for you, I want you to know we're just up the road and we'll help. And she prayed with the lady. A couple of weeks went on, a couple of weeks went by, and there is an intake at the bottom of the form when a lady comes to see and get the services from my wife's clinic that will ask this, and it says, how did you hear about Life Choices Medical Clinic? And the lady excitedly knocked on the door of my wife's office and said, you won't believe, but it says under that answer of that question, it says, Planned Parenthood. Excuse me? 
Yeah, she was referred by Planned Parenthood. Well, that was just a one-off. I mean, that was an exception to the rule. No, she continues people to get people who have been referred from Planned Parenthood to life choices. Amen. You want to make disciples? Be kind. There's too much road rage, too much Facebook rhetoric. We just need to be kind. Second point in making disciples. We need, ready? Be generous. Man, this guy just isn't really sharp. I'll tell you what. First is be kind, now it's be generous. <laughs> Let me give you another story. That's one of the things I learned from being 20 years in Africa. And Jesus taught and preached in parables. Africans love stories. It's the point to drive home what the principle is all about. I was going, and I, I love sushi in little old Joplin. I know, a farm guy, really? Really? You like sushi, dude? Okay, yeah, I do. And so we went to this little Japanese restaurant in um, Joplin, and uh, when we were done with the meal, it was close to Christmas time. I think it was either end of November or uh, early December. And I don't know if it was the Christmas spirit. I really would like to think, uh, really, that it's the spirit of God that touched. But at the end of this thing, she did okay on the, on the service and everything. But uh, I did something I never do. And I did the most phenomenal tip, leaving it with her, that I have ever done. And I didn't tell my wife. <laughs> I was scared. I'm going, really, God? You want me to do this? And I never said a thing. I totally forgot about it. One month goes by, Christmas comes and goes, New Year's comes and goes. And about the end of January, I'm having a hankering for, you guessed it, sushi. And so I meet my wife over there at the little restaurant. And she's over there first. And she's sitting and she's talking to this young lady. And I come down. I sit, look at her and say, water with lemon, please. And she goes, you don't know me, do you? No, I, I, I don't. She said, I've really been waiting and looking for the time that you would come back in when I was working because... I want to ask you, how did you know? By this time, my wife is looking over my glasses. <laughs> We're going to do some talking, buddy. And I'm going, how did I know what? And she said, how did you know that I had just broken up with my living boyfriend? I had a little son of 10 months, and he left me stranded. And here it was Christmas time, and I was not going to be able to get a gift from our, our son, and I wasn't going to get back to Alabama to see my parents. How did you know? Your gift let me do both. And with that, she started to weep. And my wife hugged her. We pulled her down into the chair next to her. We didn't worry about the food and the sushi for a long, long time. As she began to unpack her story and tell her heart and share her journey. And we're still talking with her. And it all started with a tip. So church, be kind, but let's be generous. I have a daughter that in putting herself through college and getting a PhD worked in the food industry. And one of the piece, worst pieces of reality was this. When she was gone, one of the other veteran people working there said this. Don't get called to work on Sundays. And for goodness sake, if you do have to work on Sundays at all cost, avoid the people that bow. Oh my gosh. Church, what an indictment. 
And since I heard that story, I, if I am out on Sundays, I double what I normally do on any other day of the week. We can make a statement by that simple thing of being generous. And finally, ready, number three, point to the word, capital W-O-R-D. Now, I love the church of Jesus Christ. Don't misunderstand it. I love what we get to have and experience in worship. But we kind of got this screwed up a little bit and twisted in, in my understanding of Scripture because we really have a message that says this. We say, here, you come and hear, community. You come and hear and experience this here. And it's sort of like this, that we go out and if we really get bold and we talk to somebody in church or we, I mean in a, uh, at work or at school, and we get them to come inside the church building and so forth. It's like we put them on row, uh, pew number 35, and then we got uh, this invisible baton, and we give it to the preacher and said, tag, you're it. You run it from now on. <laughs> Whip it on them, preacher. <laughs> They're your victim. I did my job. Come and hear. But Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, therefore, Go. That's opposite of come, last time I checked. And I really believe it's not to come and hear, but it's to go and show. Go and show kindness. Go and show generosity. Go and show and confound 180, the opposite of the world expects you to do. And so another story is this. I, was, I do lots of flying on Delta around the world to see our visitors and our, our visitors, our, to visit our uh, media centers. And so... I had a man, he, I could tell he was, he was Kenyan, and he was tipping a couple of beers, getting really nice and comfortable. Um, and I was sitting there, and, and, and I have this dilemma that I have to admit that I struggle with sometimes. That it's like Satan gets a hold of me on the airplanes. Because, you know, I know I'm supposed to, I got, I got a captive audience for eight and a half hours, you know. I, that guy has, that gal has got to listen to me. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about Jesus lots of times. You ever have that problem? I mean, I have times when I'm exhausted. It's been a long trip. It, I want to get home to my wife. I just want to chill and want a movie. I know I got email I need to catch up on. I got a proposal I need to process. Or I just want to sleep. Anything but talk to the person next door in seat e 35E about Jesus. And so I figured out a way to do that sleep and rest and chill thing. You like to know that? It's one, it's this conversation piece. So, what's your name? He tells me. What do you do? <laughs> he tells me. And then the rule in conversation is, tag, I'm silent. And you have to, he has to ask me. So, <laughs> what's your name? I'm Mike. And then the dilemma comes. What do you do? <laughs> and this is my stellar moment or my most carnal moment. I, at that point, can just shut him down with one simple word. What do you do? I'm a missionary. Silence for eight hours. <laughs> they don't know what to do with that. And I can sleep and watch movies, and it is blissful. <laughs> or, if I'm really on my Jesus side someday and I'm playing well, I can say, well, you know, actually, I'm the head of an organization called GMPI, and it is about this. We empower Indians and Africans and Mexican people to make materials that are in their languages, identifying and honoring their cultures to give social and spiritual lift. And about that time, they're going, wow, that's awesome. 
And all he did is describe a Christian ministry in their vernacular. And we can talk for hours. So in this particular case, I started with the whole, as I just described, I'm this head of this global operation and so forth. And the Kenyan, he's totally, you know, a couple more. And finally, I thought, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and just, just lay it out there. I'm a missionary. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> so what do you do? Well, I work in the, um, I'm a nurse, you know, and I'm going back and uh, visiting. I've been back from Oklahoma City, back to my family in uh, um, Kenya for years and years. And so, uh, you know, yeah, you're a missionary? Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Yeah, you know, I ought to go to church. Oh, really? So you go to church in Oklahoma City? No, man, I haven't done that in 10 years. Oh, so you haven't gone to church in 10 years, but you're going to go to church now with your mom and your dad over in Kenya. Yeah, you know, she was the head of the Presbyterian church, and she did Sunday school, and like, they're good people, and so forth, and I ought to go to church. And at that point, I said, great, I got him right where I want him. I wouldn't. He puts his beer down, he looks at me, and he goes, now, wait, let me get this right. You left your family. You had kids born over there. You became a missionary, invested 20 years of life. I thought this is the whole gig you guys missionaries do. You're trying to get us to come to church. And now you're telling me, and you're not even drinking. You're trying to tell me not to go to church. I told him, right. I wouldn't. Because, you see, if you go to church the way you are right now, you're going to see the same people who are the same hypocrites, who are always broken, who are going to be the same kind of things you assumed the church would be, and it's exactly as it is, and it's never changed, and you're going to come back after 10 years, sit one time, hear, watch, and say, yep, it's just as bad as I thought it was. I'm not going again. However, if you will go to the Word, capital W-O-R-D, and find Jesus and fall in love with the man who is so holy and so grace-filled and so able to fix your brokenness and sin. If you fall in love with that Jesus, I can guarantee you, you will fall in love with his bride called the church. And then you will understand that I'm in concert with the rest of the people that are broken. And that person that I look at as a fool, that person that I see as a hypocrite, I realize I'm just as foolish and just as hypocritical. And I said, therefore, I wouldn't go to church first. I'd go to Jesus. Three ways to make disciples. That's as easy as I said in the video. That we make disciples all the time. If you're a parent, you've made a disciple. If you are a follower of the University of Kentucky and go blue, you are a disciple maker against the red guys down the road. If you are in sales, you are a disciple maker. Yeah, well, look at him, yeah. If you are, and you can fill in the blank, we know how to make disciples. The issue of us, church, is will we go and show by our kindness, by our generosity, and by our abilities to point them to the word, W-O-R-D, to Jesus, and watch what happens. Amen. I like what a guy by the name of Will Rogers said. You know, when all else has failed, just quote some famous guys, right? He said this, live your life in such a way that you could sell the family parrot to the town gossip. Live your life in such a way you could sell the family parrot to the town, town gossip. Or as 
Robert McShane says, the Christian is the person who makes it easy for others to believe in God. Are you making it easy for your neighbors, your family, your colleagues at work, the people in your safe to believe in God? And we can do it very easily by just being kind, being generous, and pointing it to the word. We have a special project at ICOM this year, and I know there's going to be sign-ups at time, and I really hope you will come to ICOM. It's, it's, it's really going to be a great one. There's a special project called RISE, Refugee and International Student Engagement. And we're trying, praying and trying to raise a quarter of a million dollars to enable people in the state of Kentucky and around our country to learn more on how to engage in the disciple-making process of particularly these two communities, refugees and international students. I really don't care, honestly, whether that person has been vetted or not, or whether they are a Muslim, Buddhist, or atheist or not. If he is in my quarter of where my space and where I live, I have a responsibility to learn and to love, to be kind and to be generous, and to point that person to the word. So I invite you to just look at this special kind of project that we're doing at ICOM that goes right along with the theme, Mobilize Disciples, Making Disciples. Let's see. Me, coming to America, I never really knew what to expect. I, oh, actually, I did know what to expect, but I didn't meet my expectations, didn't meet my expectations, you know. I have international students, when they arrive in our country, everything is new. When I came to the U.S., one of the, one of the struggles that I had was just being lonely. Talk, just talk, not friendly, not kind, just talk to me. And when international students encounter that new kind of culture, they feel so alone and they're so eager to meet someone that will just adopt them to be part of their family. I spent Thanksgiving with him and his family, and that was amazing. All of, all of the students that we hosted, uh, that we developed long-term relationships with, call us mom and dad. And what started as a friendship family, it now ends as, as a real family. She opened her home up to me, and she is family to me right now. I would do anything for her, literally. The average family has everything they need to begin reaching out to international students. Your family has everything you need. Nobody becomes a refugee by choice. You know, uh, raping, looting, killing, arresting, imprisoning, all these things started. But I can't forget the past because I was in past. People who have come to the United States as refugees are people who suffered um, hardship and persecution. One thing that I've really learned from Judith is it's more important about the relationship. And there would never be a time that I would call Judith and she wouldn't have time to listen to me or to help me with the problem. And also all of us as human beings need to have relationships that are dignity giving and mutual in which both parties are contributing and both parties feel needed. You know what, is, what was important to me? It was the healing and 
to be accepted by now is still my family. It's not a volunteer and a friend, you know. So now it's my family, my sister. <laughs> yeah. So beware. If you begin this journey, it's going to be a wonderful ride. The kindest thing that anyone ever did for me when we first moved to the U.S. was have me over for dinner. pray with me for our offering. Father, I just thank you for today. Um, we thank you for everything that you've given us and blessed us with. Uh, at this time, we just ask that you would um, be with these gifts and these tithes and these offerings that we're about to give and that you would take them and help them um, to, to double and to multiply and to be able to be used to mobilize those kingdom workers um, that you've called. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, good morning. My name is Aaron Casimir, and I am the chairperson for our missions committee here at Journey Church. Um, and I'm excited to share the impact moment with you today. Um, as you know, a portion of everything that you give here to the church goes um, and is designated directly toward mission work, uh, whether it's here locally or globally, internationally, regionally. Um, and because of your generosity, uh, we've been able to give a significant uh, gift to the ICOM convention this year. Uh, with it being held here in Lexington, Kentucky, we wanted to give that back to that um, program as they work to mobilize the kingdom workers. And so part of your giving has helped to go to that, co that convention um, to put it on, to be able to reach all these people, um, the workers, and then the disciples that they're going to, to work with. Um, as a part of that, you are able to go to this convention free of charge. Um, the church has church-wide registration already done, so all you have to do is sign up. Um, we've given you that opportunity today. If you visit the Journey Missions or Journey Church Missions table back there, uh, we've got some computers set up. You can go ahead and register today or leave us your name and email. We'll send you the link to register online later. Um, also back there, we've got some information about some upcoming mission opportunities that you can get involved in. Um, one of them is with the refugees here locally. So if you are interested in some of those opportunities, check that out. Um, there's also some information back there on the missions that we support currently as a church. Um, so stop by the missions table back there. Stop by the ICOM table and check out all of that. Um, and again, we just thank you for your generosity in allowing us to partner with ICOM as they mobilize kingdom workers here and abroad. Worship with us.